Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the culture of skateboarding in all its shapes or forms, from nerdy parking lot curb sessions to Olympic podium stunt maneuvers and everything in between. Today's guest is originally from Nigeria, where he grew up for the first 10 years of his life before relocating to Austria, where he discovered skating in his teenage years. Chris Fanner is well known in the skateboarding world for his fast, powerful, but yet graceful skating and his contagious good energy. At 36 years old, he skates better than ever, as demonstrated in Antihero's latest video piece, Quantinium, which was released in the summer of 2020, while managing the Vance European skate team and raising two kids. So here's my conversation with Chris Fanner. I hope you enjoy it. Well, thanks again for so, uh, taking the time. I really, uh, really appreciate it. I'm a big, big fan of yours. Been watching you skate. Uh, I feel, feel like forever like, <laughs> since I started skating. So, yeah, not the, not the youngest anymore either. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How old are you actually? You're like around around 35, I guess, around like me? No, 36. Gonna turn 36, 30, okay. 37 this year in July. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I'm slightly younger than you, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's an honor. Thank you for, uh, for doing this. And um, No problem. But yeah, just maybe to just go over your career and, and your life with skateboarding. Can you maybe just tell me in a few words uh, where you're from and where you grew up and everything? I know you were born in Nigeria and that you lived there for a little bit until you came to Europe. Exactly. Yeah, so um, yeah, I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. My parents met there due to work. My mom is from Ghana and my dad is Austrian. And um, I spent the first 10 years of my life growing up in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, after 10, my parents decided to leave Nigeria and move to Austria because that's where my dad's from. Right. And uh, yeah, the situation in the country was really unstable in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. A lot of cor- corruption and political, you know, craze and everything going on there. So my parents decided to leave. And uh, yeah, so my whole family couldn't move in the beginning because of like financial troubles so i had to go to austria on my own first that's right that's what i read yeah i was living in a boarding school for the first four years when i moved to austria and then afterwards my uh your family joined you there exactly and um yeah so i finished school in austria and uh, i was around 20 years old when i finished my studies and uh, i worked for a little bit and then i moved to barcelona that's right because uh skateboarding started picking up for me i was like earning a little bit of money and stuff and so i just dis- decided to go on a on a little holiday to barcelona and uh two weeks turned into seven years and uh yeah okay oh you lived there that long i didn't know how long you were there for yeah i know i stayed there seven years and uh yeah that was like my home base and in those seven years i, I was like traveling a bunch all over the world and for skateboarding so And um, yeah, that's where I met my wife. And uh, because of her, we ended up, mo- ended up moving to, to Germany as well so that she could be close to her parents as I'm always on the road, like traveling a bunch. So mm-hmm. she just has the security and the closeness of her parents. And uh, yeah, and meanwhile, we built a house here, got two kids. So I think I'm posted up here for a little bit now. Yeah. Where, where, where exactly in Germany are you living again? I'm living in Nuremberg. Nuremberg, okay. 
my geography of Germany is terrible, but like, is that, is that in the south of Germany or? Yeah, pretty much in the center. So it's, yeah, it's like a, an hour and a half north of Munich and oh, okay. uh, yeah. yeah, two hours like west from Prague. Okay. Oh, okay. Three and a half south from Berlin. From so Berlin, it's like yeah. Pretty centric, yeah. Good, mm. good location. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Hitler picked it too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look in the history, this Nuremberg was like his favorite city. He had like really big plans for here, and uh, it's pretty interesting to see all the historical points and everything. Like if you see the big big marches and all that stuff, it's it all took place here in Nuremberg. Yeah, it must be interesting to uh, visit that city. I've never been there, but yeah. Fortunately, his plans didn't work out, so... <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, you, you mentioned in that interview with uh, Thrasher that you did, uh, I think in September around there, um, that you started skating, that when you started skating, it was actually through a challenge with some kids that wanted to... Uh, ride their skateboards and some obstacles that you had built with your friends to ride your bikes on or something like that. Exactly. I remember reading that you said that you, uh, you basically in 24 hours, you were able to ollie over two boards yeah. uh, just as a challenge. And uh, I was reading that and thinking to myself, like it took me, I don't know, six months or something before I could scrape a gross ollie that was like this, this high, you know, so... Yeah, I, yeah. I felt so bummed when I when I read read that and I was like, okay, like uh, talent is not the same <laughs> everywhere. But yeah, is that how it started basically? I mean, we used to like, you know, as a kid, like through Ninja Turtles and stuff, I had my first contact with, with skateboarding and, and, you know, and uh, a friend of mine had like a little shitty board and I mean, we would just play around with it, like kneel on the board and scoot around and everything you know and then eventually we stood up on it but it was nothing serious it was like more like a toy that was just laying around and then would like pick it up once in a while but yeah through through that challenge in the boarding school because i was like riding my bmx and the obstacles we, we built so there would be like the kids from the neighborhood would always come by to skate the stuff we already built mm -hmm. and it was this group group of skaters and kind of had beef with them and wanted to get rid of them so that's why the challenge but uh Yeah, out of that, I kind of discovered my passion. <laughs> yeah. How old were you when that happened? So that was before you were 14 or so around 12, I guess, or? I was, I was like 12 years old 12, when that okay. happened. Yeah, and I remember that was like confirmation time. And I remember all the kids like wished to get watches or like the, the confirmation present is a watch as usual, you know. But I was like, nah, I don't want to watch. Like, I, I don't yeah. really need a watch. I need I'd a skateboard. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd rather have a skateboard. So that was the present I got for my confirmation. Yeah, that's sick. And so, so um, you were saying that you were uh, staying for a, a few years in Austria before your family eventually joined you over there. Exactly. So uh, did you think like skateboarding did, um, gave you like a kind of um, a, f a second family or like a, a really tight group of friends that you could, you know, uh, uh, hang out with uh, when you were a bit more lonely, I guess, at that time? And Well, I mean, looking back now, like, you know, the boarding school, there was always shit to do, you know, there was like other kids there and everything like it was a, a pretty good time, to be honest, you know, and then like also the the safety and all that, like, you know. Gave me a little rest of mind too because like in Africa I remember going to bed and we got attacked by armed robbers at our house you know and so like experiencing stuff like that at a young age you know you 
I don't know if it's like some kind of trauma or something, but you're really scared. But then I moved to Austria and even though my family and my parents weren't around, like I could actually go to sleep without being worried, you know? Yeah, you felt safe. Safe and everything. And uh, But then like, yeah, di discovering a skateboard. I mean, I was some somewhat of an outcast in Austria at that point. Like, you know, the only color colored kid. I remember like my parents even having troubles to find the right school for me that would accept me because most of the schools were like, oh, well. Be because of, because of uh, your, your origins, your origins, sorry? Yeah, yeah, they, because they're like, ah, oh, yeah, he's coming from Africa. He can't speak a word of German. Like, I don't think this is a good idea. So most of the people denied. But then that school was like a Christian boarding school. So they accepted it and all that, you know, so. Okay. But I mean, yeah, I was like, at some point I felt like an outsider, you know. Of course, you're coming from somewhere else. You can't really speak the language and everything. But uh, I caught along pretty well. Like after six months, I was fluent in in German, could read and write it and uh But then, yeah, I found the skateboarders and like I, I, I felt attracted to them in some ways because like, yeah, everyone was pointing at those people yeah. and like, uh, look at them. Like you were kind of an outcast back in the days when you were, when you rode a skateboard, you know? So sure. Yeah. They welcomed me with open arms and, uh, I felt, I felt at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And since then, like my skateboard pretty much molded my whole life and paved the path of my life. Mm -hmm. And so, so you started skating at that age, and when did the uh, sponsors start getting into the picture? Uh, I know you rode for uh, Yama Skateboards eventually, but, uh, before you went to Antihero, uh, and we'll yeah. get to that. But, uh, but like, what was your first sponsor? Did you get sponsored by a shop or something first? Or? Yeah, so Yama, Yama started as a skate shop in my hometown. It was oh, okay. originally a skate shop before he started making his own boards and uh, his own gear. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I remember like the... I got that board as a present and then the second board I bought for myself like with some money I saved it was like a blind skateboard and then from then on like the skate shop started giving me all the used boards of like the the guys he he sponsored so the deal was like they they would get boards and the used old boards they'll give back to him and he would hand that down to me you know so I was basically skating like Mookie's old boards right and uh So that was Mookie, like Mookie Rustig, right? Is that his name? Exactly. I'm probably yeah. butchering it, but yeah. No, Rustig, that's correct. Rustig, and, okay. uh, yeah, so that's how it all started, like through the skate shop. And uh, he had connections to like, you know, the shoe brands and everything. And we were filming, we were filming together a little bit. And so he would gather all our footage and send it out and just to help us get some support, you know. And then eventually, like with 16, like Vance started supporting me with some shoes as well. So, so Vance was very early on in your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first first shoes I got were for, from Converse, but the sh the shoes were so bulky. I remember like I, I got them and I was really stoked and I tried to skate them and I was like, I felt so bad because I couldn't really, yeah, they, they were like really big and huge, you know? And so I was like, ah, went back to the skate shop and I was like, ah, I don't know how I should explain this, but uh can't really do anything with this stuff so maybe you just send it back to them and say thank you so <laughs> and then that and then vans came in the picture and then since then yeah i've been riding vans yeah yeah and 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 we'll we'll, we'll talk about that about your position there now uh, not just as a writer but as a team manager but yeah and so so you were sponsored by uh, yama and did you turn pro for them or did you actually turn pro on anti-hero how did how did that happen no my first pro board i got from from yama skateboards So that was like, yeah, they gave me my first board mm -hmm. and um, yeah. And then 
I actually I never wanted to leave Yama, you know. So <laughs> that was like the it was your crew. for me. That that was my crew. That was my friends, and that was where everything started, you know. And I was so grateful for that. And I always felt like I just want to give something back, you know, for all the support he's been giving me. And so when I was living in Barcelona, and then I met Julian Stranger, and then they made the offer, you know. And I remember I told Muki at that point, and he was like, "Ah, oh. yeah, he must have been bummed, but yeah." No, no, he wasn't bummed at all. He was the opposite. He was like, "Dude, yeah, like anti-hero, Julian Stranger, like pretty legendary." Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, "Yeah, but I have a board sponsor already. I have Yama skateboards." And then he was like, "Well, guess what? We're kicking you off." Right now. <laughs> and I'm like, "Ah, it's a pretty nice joke." So yeah, then I never received any boards from them anymore. So I guess I was like, "All right, I guess I'm off." So I gotta like call Julian up and be like, "All right, I want to ride for them," you know. Okay. And yeah, for me, I don't know. I just like the fact of loyalty and all that stuff, you know, and I just wanted to stay with what helped me get to where I was and everything. But in the end, it was the best move, you know. So they're still waiting for their case of beer, they say, because that was the deal for the trade. They'd let me go for a case of beer. And Saihiro is waiting for a case of beer from you? No, no, Muki. Or Muki, Muki oh, okay, okay. He's waiting for a case of beer from Saihiro yeah. because that was like uh, the prize to let me go. <laughs> <laughs> That seems fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After COVID's done, you can uh, go skate with them and and get them their that case of beer. No, of course. No, man. They, I felt really cheap for that. I was like, well, that's all I'm worth a case of beer. Pretty harsh. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But it must have been tough, I guess. Uh, when when I mean having a, such an opportunity to skate for such a legendary brand with uh, guys like Julian St Stranger and John Cardiel and everything, but. But and, and at the same time, having that loyalty to your friends that got you started in this whole business. And yeah, I mean, there, there were several different offers before that, but uh, oh, yeah, I never felt anything like really there was not anything that really interested me out there, you know. And uh, but then like anti-hero, you know, like if you see what we were doing with Yama, it was like kind of like similar to what anti-hero did, you know, we For just sure. had our, our van and it was like, all right pack the van up let's fill the gas tank up and keep going see how far we get you know and that's how we ra we ran it the whole time and then so when the transition came and i went over there it was like well shit it's the same thing only that the van's not yellow anymore it's just white now <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah this is what i've been doing my whole life so i feel pretty comfortable yeah yeah no it's it seems like a great fit like you you're you, your skating definitely fits uh their aesthetic and their their brand so to speak yeah So yeah, it definitely made sense when when it happened. No, and it's it's cool. It's been how how long? Like ten years almost that you've been on Antihero. Um, I got on Antihero two thousand and seven. Oh yeah, so so fourteen years. Oh okay. Fourteen years now, yeah. And I don't know. I don't even see it like as Antihero anymore. It's my family. It's my friends. You know. It's just I don't know. We talk about normal stuff. Like it's been a while since we've seen each other, but I'm always in touch with Julian and. John Alden and all the guys and so it's like yeah it's like a, a, a little family you know yeah it looks like it for sure yeah yeah awesome writers legendary guys and yeah it's sick crew so yeah you guys are doing a great job and uh so so at what point did you uh move from Austria to Barcelona you said you were you were around 20 around there yeah I was 20 years old that was like around 2000 2004 What what made you want to go there? I mean, I mean, obviously at that time Barcelona was like the the mecca of skateboarding. It still is in a way. Yeah, 
Did your sponsors kind of motivate you to go there or was it just like a personal decision like to find the good weather and, and the skating? And Yeah, so years before like I moved, uh, I, I went down there with the Yama crew. I think the first trip we did down there was like in 2000. We, we went down there and skated and then after that, like we would always use that as a winter escape get out of Austria to go skate there a little bit and then I was like well I mean at this point in my life I don't need anything else than good skate spots warm weather and everything so it's like yeah I'm gonna go down there and there was like a lot of shit happening there there was always people shooting photos filming and all that you know so it just made sense because it was like super easy to to get things going down there you know so what made you eventually leave uh, Barcelona was it uh Uh, I mean, you, you said you met your wife over there and was it yeah. uh, because of maybe a career move for her that you went to Germany or? Well, I was supposed to go to the US. Yeah, because of Vans, like uh, there was a point where they wanted to have me there, you know, and uh, so that we could work closely and better and all that stuff. So I, get, I gave it a try and I, I went there with my wife for a time being, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, but she just I, for me, it was easy. I had something to do and they, I found the connection really quick. But for her, like, she didn't have a job and everything. And, you know, like, just finding that connection and then, and like, feeling at home, you know, it didn't really happen for her. So she was like, well, she'd rather go back to Germany and be close to her family instead. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so I was like, well, yeah, I mean, this is what I want to do. And uh, if you're, you know, understanding enough and you let me go and do my trips and all that, then I'm sure Nuremberg's got an airport so we can yeah. figure something <laughs> out. Exactly. And uh, so, when did you move to Nuremberg? Was how many years ago was that? That was in two thousand and eleven. Ten years ago, exactly. Oh, okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is kind of a nerdy question, but uh, I was just interested in asking you about you. I I noticed I was rewatching a little bit of your parts, uh, some of your parts uh, uh, a few days ago, and uh, you you did a lot of like late shovets in in many many yeah. video parts, and or like uh, or basically either late shove it or a one eighty. Uh, late shove it, late shove it um, backside yeah. 180 with late shove it and uh, I was uh, just thinking to myself like I think you're the only person that I've ever seen do that trick like well you know like everybody else does it kind of a little bit gross uh, you know it's kind of an <laughs> awkward trick to do it's very yeah. hard to do it with uh, you know with style um, but yeah just basically how, how did you get started with that trick because it's kind of an obscure one to uh, to start doing you know Yeah, thinking about it. I mean, I always loved ollies and stuff, you know, that's for me the, the, the thing like, I don't know, you, with an ollie, like you get everywhere, you can go up a sidewalk, you can clear a street and, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's never gonna get out of fashion, you know, for and sure. then, so yeah. I, was, I was like, yeah, trying to find like other possibilities with it. And I don't know how I actually got into them. Uh, probably the, uh, Sean Sheffy. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yep. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's Sean Sheffy because of Sean Sheffy. You like, saw him d do some in yeah, some videos. Yeah, I saw Sean Sheffy do late shovets, and that was when I was like, "Damn, this looks really cool." Mm -hmm. And he also does the backside ones, you know. So a lot of people when they do late shovets, it's like the oh, front yeah. side late shovets. Late front shovet, right? Yeah. Yeah, and he had the back late shovet. You, you always that, do the 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 back late the shovet. Back, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Backside one. And so yeah, it was yeah through Sean Sheffy. I got hooked on those. Yeah. Okay. And did did you did you ever try to um, do like kickflip late shavits or or like to try to add a little bit of uh, more technical uh, technicality oh, yeah, yeah. to it or? Uh, yeah, I've done like different variations, but you know you just gotta keep it subtle. Like you said, it's like it's a trick to easily 
make look gross you exactly. know so <laughs> the more you put in there the no i i have i, have, I filmed some half cab late shot with variations and um I've done the kickflip late shove it once, but for me, it's just a little bit too much yeah. of all that, you know, so I like, I kind of like chill on that. Yeah, kind of a circus trick, yeah. Yeah, and once I did a, a full cab, a full cab late shove it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oof. And I mean, that works pretty well, like it makes sense, you know, it's like, it's the same thing, like a half cab late shove it, but you just keep your rotation going and all that, you know? Yeah, and yeah. But with all that rotation, it must be hard to keep the control of the board and not make it spin too much or... Um, yeah, I mean, it worked really well, but then also then I watched it, like a friend filmed it, like me doing it, you know? And then I was like, ah, yeah, it's good as an achievement, but it's not something I really want to film and put in, put in a video part or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see. Nah. Okay. <laughs> For me, it's like, you know, like if I watch a video part, like what makes it interesting for me, it's like seeing like different kinds of spots, you know, and I mean, skateboarding itself is challenging enough, you know, like there's so many tricks and all that, like, mm -hmm. I don't know where to, where to start and where to end. But for me, it's like just seeing how far I can go with my skateboard with what I'm capable of doing, you know, that's, that's challenging enough for me. <laughs> so it's, it's more about the spots rather than the tricks. For you basically yeah, because you skate a new spot and it's a new thing every time you know like street skating and it's like it's not like in a skate park where everything is like the dimensions are the same and it's always perfect like you show up at a street spots and then the, the the setup is always different so it's like the first time even if you just ollie it it's like the first time you're doing it you know mm -hmm. so it's always something new for me and uh, you, you got to figure it out like figure out the run-up and figure out like how to go about the spot so now nah, that's it for me Yeah, yeah. So do, do you ever like go crazy and try to do like crazy technical tricks or, or, or j basically just skating out of your, your regular routine? Uh, do you ever try to do like, I don't know, like switch trays or fakey front crooks or whatever stuff like that? Or is that not really not something you're, you, you, you enjoy doing? Or? Well, fuck, uh, I'm, I'm just really impatient when it comes to that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff, like technical stuff, manuals and all that. I, I mean, I fuck around with it, you know, once in a while, like on a weekend at the skate park, like you're actually done, done skating, everyone's sitting down, hanging out, and I'll just try some other stuff, you know, and play mm. with things. But like, I get really impatient with technical stuff. So that's why I'm like, I'm like, ah, can't really deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's impressive. Like, uh, man, how just to see the finesse and the control some people have. Like yeah. to execute like all those technical tricks like i'm really impressed about it and i have so much respect for it but like you know the the little time i have to go and skate and enjoy myself and i just want to keep rolling and you know and uh yeah not just try a trick for hours and just lose my mind <laughs> yeah i understand yeah just open up instagram and you'll have plenty of 10 year old kids doing the craziest shit like it's uh, oh, yeah today it's pretty crazy Yeah, man, you you can, you get even tired if you watch that too much before you want to go skate. You're like so exhausted. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even want to yeah. go skate. <laughs> mm. I was talking about this with, uh, I did an interview a few days ago with Nestor Judkins from Android. Yeah. And uh, he, he's, he does this uh, non-profit called Salad Days of Skateboarding, uh, yeah. where he basically distributes uh, skateboard equipment to uh, uh, countries that, are, that don't have much of a skate scene yet, you know, like uh, Cuba, India, Madagascar, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
And I was telling him, I'm, I'm actually more, more stoked to see a kid from his video push Mongo and fall, you know, fall, trying to, yeah. to push correctly. That stokes me more than a kid at a skate park doing like a crook, nollie, late flip, whatever variation, something, you know, it's like, uh, uh, I don't know, there's something about just uh, authenticity and the pure joy of simple skating. Exactly. Rather than, you know, something that's really impressive, but it's a little, you know, just a bit too much. It's a bit overwhelming, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's like the, the internet opened up the possibility for people, you know, it's like, and it's a good thing too, like this way kids can get discovered easier, you know, and get the support for stuff like that. And then also it's like a, a new channel where like a, a kid at the end of the world might discover skateboarding, you know? Yeah. And like change his whole life because of that, you know, through this stuff. So I'm not against it. And some things I see a little bit critical. It's the same thing with the Olympics too, you know, like when it all first came up, everybody was like, oh, fuck this shit and blah, blah, blah. And for me, one thing is it's, there's nothing easier than to hate something. That's the easiest thing. It doesn't take any kind of effort or anything. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't need to think about it and you just be like, oh yeah, it's shit. That's, that's super easy. But I mean, thinking about it, it's like, that's not how I approach skateboarding too. You know, it's like, for me, it's more of a lifestyle than, than, than a sport. And you know, it's a mindset and everything, but mm -hmm. Of course, like if someone picks up a skateboard and it's up to each and everyone which direction they want to take it, you know, if they want to train and become the next Niger Houston, go for it, do it. If you, if you, if you, if you just want to like pick up a skateboard to like discover your, your neighborhood with your homies and then keep, keep going, you know, that's, that's also fine. It's like up to each and everyone, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, I just see it as this, like a human being that like, that has a passion for something goes through life differently than someone that, you know, just, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, you don't have to be talented or anything, but just to have a passion yeah. for something, you know, it's like, it's, it gives you a different mindset, you know, and you're, it's uh, someone that is more likely to get up and do something on their own and doesn't have to be pushed all the time. You know what I mean? So through the Olympics, like that's going to be a new channel where like kids all over the world are going to discover skateboarding for them yeah. and it might change their whole life. So for me, it's a positive thing, you know, it brings more, more people to skateboarding. So that's the thing. And I'm personally, I'm not going to go to the Olympics and I don't know if I'm even going to watch it or anything, but still like whoever, whom it gives a possibility I'm thankful for. No, I think you, uh, I agree with you and it's a, it's a positive way of seeing things and rather than just, you know, saying it's shit and being all negative, it's, it's not contributing anything. So not at all. Yeah. So we talked about Vance a little bit. So, so uh, when did you, so you, you've been writing for them for a long time and still are. Yeah. But, uh, when did you start doing more like business for them? I mean, management, team management and stuff like that. Um, uh, this probably started in October 2016 precisely because I remember like the, the year was coming to an end and uh, the action sports manager of Vans Europe hit me up and was like, hey, we still got some money left and um, yeah, like our team manager is not gonna do anything and I just hit you up out of the blue to see if you have an idea to do something, you know, and I was like, well, sick. I mean, nothing easier than that. Like, so I, I, I called up, uh, my friend, Preston, my getter. Yep. Peace Peastone. And, uh, I was like, dude, I got this money. Like, let's do something, you know? And then next thing you know, Jake Phelps was in the mix too. And Jake was like, oh, I've never been to Greece. Let's go to Greece. And I'm like, well, that's the 
perfect fit for this time of the year anyways like it's getting cold in the rest of europe greece is still good and uh yeah one thing that led to the next and then we found ourselves all in greece on a 10-day trip and uh yeah and they helped me out a lot you know having jake on the trip like we ended up getting like a, a big article in the Pressure. magazine yeah and p-stone did an edit that was on the website and bam it all came out really good and then uh, next thing you know they were like well wow you did this one really good like do you think you could like take more responsibilities in the years to come and then i was like well yeah i mean my age i'm getting older you know i got kids to take care of you know so mm-hmm. and this is something it doesn't feel like work for me i'm definitely definitely up for it so i was really grateful for the opportunity they gave me and uh yeah, I picked it up and uh, yeah, so it's been four years I've been doing that, almost five years now, yeah. Yeah, no, that's sick. So so you organize the trips for the teams and stuff like that? Or do you um, do you like deal with every Europe team rider directly to uh, give them shoes? Or what exactly does your job um, uh, entail? Well, I'm basically the babysitter for grown-ass men. <laughs> that doesn't nah, sound so, like a, like a great job. <laughs> no, nah, it's easy. It's like that. That's not so bad. Um, yeah, no, I just have to see that they have the right. They get enough gear. You know, can do their stuff. I help them, like you know, with their relations with their other sponsors, like the hard good brands and everything. You right. know, and organize the trips with them, and uh, yeah, just you know, tr- try to help them grow. You know, from the national teams up into the, the into the European team, and then also like yeah, who knows? Maybe one day we might have a, a European rider that ends up on a global team. You know, yeah, it's basically what I did for myself throughout my whole career. I get to do for my friends now and help yeah. them out and make things possible for them. You know, so and this this way I get to stay in the scene, be still be involved in what I love doing and. Uh, and also it's like a plan B, a little bit of security for me because I don't know how long they're still going to be interested in my Smith grinds and backside one <laughs> you know, so yeah. I still got to gotta feed my, my family somehow. For sure. You know? Yeah. No, it's, 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 it sounds like a good, a good job. And, um, uh, so Vance categorizes, um, by, by, um, um, geographically basically. Uh, so there's like a U.S. team, a Europe yeah. team. Um, so you're in charge of Europe, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, I mean, and the thing is like Europe is pretty huge and it's like this, the second biggest market for vans at the moment, you know, right after the US and, uh, and it's like, if you think about it, it's like we got 16 countries that have their own team and team manager, you know, and if you think about it, it's like a really, really huge team. And then so from there, like we try to create the possibility for the guys like you get on the national team, mm-hmm. you know, you do good there, like your coverage and all that. And then so the next step is that you get into the European squad, you know, and there's a few a few things you got to watch there. Like, I mean, there's markets that are bigger than the others. I'm sure you cannot compare it France with, with Greece, or, you know, stuff like that. You know, there's like all these things you got to keep in consideration as well, too. And uh, it's really interesting. And um, but I think, yeah, we were with Alex Forbes, like the guy I work with that's above me at Advance. Like, I think in the last few years, we managed to, like, you know, put in a good structure and, and build up something because before it didn't feel like you heard so much from Vance Europe, you know. But at the moment, it, there's a lot coming from 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 Vans Europe, you know. Yeah, and, you uh, you came swinging hard with that um, Tom's Tales video. It was pretty sick. Yeah, no, I mean like the all the work, the hard work of the boys, you know. It's like 
they really killed it on that project and it's it stands out and it shows it, it represents the crew the best you can you know yeah, yeah no it was it was really good that video it's uh, i i didn't know the first guy who skates in the video Mar uh, martino cataneo yeah martino yeah i hadn't heard of him before i saw that video and i was fucking blown away when i saw Tom's oh, yeah. for the first time and that's that's just the beginning yeah yeah i'm sure I wanna, I wanna see people's reaction to what he's about to put out now. He, he's working on a part. Oh yeah, no, I mean the part is already done, and uh, it just doesn't seem to stop. This guy, it's it, it's unbelievable, and he has such a different, refreshing approach to skateboarding. It's really, really nice to watch. Yeah. Yeah, he skates everything. It's it's pretty impressive, like transition, big gaps, rails, like everything. Oh, yeah. It's just fucking incredible. It, it, he reminded me in a, on a different style, but of uh, Chris Jocelyn when he came out with that Plan B part. It, at, at least for me, it had that kind of effect of shock, you know, like uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. know Chris, Chris Jocelyn before the Plan B video and I didn't know Martino before the Tom's Tales video. And it yeah. felt kind of the same, like discovering this dude and being like, wow, he's fucking amazing. And he's going to be one of the... He is one of the best writers right now in Europe, for sure. Oh, dude, uh, no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a sick video. And, and so do, do you also recruit new team writers, for example? Are you, are you in charge of that or, or how does that work? Well, yeah. So when I took over, like we had to make some changes and diversify the team and, you know, cover places geographically and all that stuff you know so mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's also part of my job to like pick people and so now we've like kind of built a structure where it gives the possibility to the people like that get on the national teams to rise up into the european team and we want to keep it like that you know keep a structure because it's also a sense of motivation for the upcoming kids and see how there's how like chances yeah yeah exactly chances for you to climb up the ladder and all that stuff and Sure. Yeah, it's good, but uh, also like like rebuilding the whole team. Like definitely, I knew some people's their styles that I really like to have involved and all that, you know. So yeah, just talk to them. I don't like stealing writers from other brands, you know. But I mean, if someone is not satisfied with where they're at and they reach out and I yeah. think it's a good fit, then we'll work on it and try to make it, you know, fit. Because I, I mean, it's a group of people that should travel together and then. There's a lot there's a lot of downtime in what we're doing, you know. Basically like seventy percent is downtime. And so all these people hanging out together on like in close vicinity, they should be able to hang together, be respective of each other, get along well. And I think that's also one big thing as a brand, what you sell, a good time. And if you see the Tom's Tales video. Yeah, you can, you can see that for sure. The behind the scenes, like all the guys drinking beers and, and hanging out at the spot and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way, you know, surround your pe surround yourself with people that you want to see succeed and people that want you to see you succeed. And then the rest is going to happen by itself, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you released uh, a part with Antihero pretty recently called, uh, the video was called Quant Quantinium or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was a sick video and that part was really sick. And um, I was, uh, I especially enjoyed that uh, towards the end, you grind this big rail that goes into yeah. a kind of scene or something and you yeah, rush exactly. to go see your, I think it's your kid, your son, some, uh, yeah. and, and you go give him a hug. Yeah. 
I, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't planned. It turned out to be a little tear jerker. That yeah. one d- definitely made some skate dad shed some tears for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, no, it was moving. Yeah. But it was just a normal day in my life, man. I was like, I had my friend here. I was thinking of a last trick for my video part, and that was the thing, you know. So we went there the night before to check everything out, and yeah, the rail has this huge crack in it, like which I had to fix before on the rail or or at the at the bottom or exactly in the middle of the rail. It's like so long, so it had to be pieced together with two rails so there's like a gap in between it and that i had to like fill out and it was this whole preparation and everything and then and then my wife was like oh yeah can you take the kid along like it's like yeah sure i mean we're just going skating and mm-hmm. and uh my my filmer max my friend he he's like super good with the kids too like while we were filming for this process we hung out a lot together and uh yeah he he loves the kids they love him too so when max was on this on, on the session he gave him a second camera and told him like hey you want to have second angles and all that so yeah it was just uh basically a organic yeah yeah another afternoon outside on the playground or some shit like that so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh while i while i had to deal with something else <laughs> <laughs> no it, it came out great it was a perfect ender and like kind of I know just like the, kind of the transmission of, you know, transmitting to your son, like your pure joy of, of still skating today and at this level and everything. It was really rad. Thank you very much. And um, I wanted to ask you, so with COVID and everything, obviously, uh, travel has been pretty much impossible. So how, how does that impact you for your own skating and, and for your responsibilities as team manager? Like, how do you uh, go through all this? Well, I mean, I've been I've just been watching the whole case closely and everything you know and uh it's uh it's travel is not impossible travel is possible you know and and it's uh suggestions that they make and it's not like forbidden so if you look into all this stuff like what all these restrictions and everything they're doing it's like most of it is not legal even they're mm-hmm. not allowed to do it it's like against human rights and all that shit you know so if you look at it like traveling is still possible like planes are going there's still the offer to do it you know but then like they have all these restrictions which are all suggestions it doesn't mean you can't do it yeah you know? they just advise you not to do it you know but there's like certain measures that you need like if you want to travel you have to get tested you have to only with a negative test you're on a flight and then You go and stay somewhere, like you watch the rules and regulations, you know, like you have in every place. And then you walk, you fly back home, you got to get tested again, you know. So you might even be likely, more likely to get infected just in your neighborhood because you're not getting tested and all that stuff. But like on travels, like everybody's getting tested. So when it all started, I really appreciated it because like the first lockdown was a proper one. Like it was a complete shutdown. Six weeks, nothing happening and... Luckily, the weather was fantastic in Europe too, you know, and it was something welcoming for me. Always being on the road, I got to stay at home, spend time with the kids and family, you know. And then, yeah, so it looked like, okay, you can travel. So I did a lot of stuff locally, you know, Mm -hmm. in my area, in my hood. But then once things started loosening up and I just, you know, kept the show going with the boys, you know. And uh, we've done trips. I mean, in this whole period, we were in Cologne for two weeks, then... We spent three weeks in Sicily with the whole team and then we spent like 10 days in Greece and recently we just we just did Canary Island for for two weeks yeah and the last trip we did was to Barcelona for another two weeks 
And I always think of possibilities of like just keeping the group more together so that we're uh, less prone to be in touch with someone that's like infected and all that stuff. So right. on the last trip, for instance, to Barcelona, I took my mother along. And, oh uh, yeah, cool. We, we rented two apartments in the same building. And so in the downstairs apartment, we had a huge terrace and an area where everybody could gather up. And my mom was always cooking breakfast and dinner for the whole crew. Because this way, I didn't need to take the crew to a restaurant or anything, you know. So sure. everybody arrived, tested negative. And we are just in our own bubble. The crew is always together. Everybody was tested negative. And we just stay on our own for the two weeks. Go skating at skate spots. You barely meet anybody as well, too. And then before we flew home, everybody got tested again and everyone was negative and flew back home, you know? So, yeah, perfect. And we didn't do anything illegal and could just go and enjoy skateboarding in Barcelona as well, you know? Yeah. And, uh, we saved a lot of time by not going to restaurants because like after the session, you head back home. My mom had already prepared dinner. All the boys ate by nine. Everyone is fed, having a few beers on the terrace. And before midnight, they were all in bed. Yeah. So much more productive than a, a regular trip, yeah. In, insane. It ended up being the most productive trip we've, uh, we've done it. Yeah, because I guess on a regular trip, uh, before COVID times, uh, like riders will go out and party and drink. Oh, and yeah. so wake up hung hungover and it takes a little while before you can actually uh, feel comfortable on your skateboard again and start skating at a good level. And Yeah, yeah but I always try to avoid that really good by having like houses far outside the city and shit like that. <laughs> So are are the riders bummed when when they discover that they're they're like um uh, where they're staying is very far away or no because i mean why do we do these trips the the main the main reason for doing these trips is to go skateboard you know you want to go on a vacation you want to go on a fucking bar cruise then do that on your own time that's true And, yeah. mm -hmm. you know but I, i always see like that even if we stay a bit outside the city You get to get a nicer place even, you know, where everybody feels really comfortable. You, you got a good bed to sleep in. There's enough showers there. There's like a nice area for everybody to hang out and there's enough space, you know. Like you go into the city, it's more expensive. Yeah. Like you're limited with that capacity and stuff. And then the next day you gotta like start chasing hunting riders down. Like, oh, where did that one crash? Or like, which girl did that one end up with? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that just all just takes up so much fucking time. And it's not like... And it's time for everyone involved, you know. You stay somewhere where, like, everything is provided what you need, you know. And, like, nobody has to wait on anybody and all that stuff. Like, it's the best way to go about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned uh, P-Stone a little bit earlier. And I just wanted to ask you about... There's basically a lot of rad people that unfortunately passed away in the last few years uh, in the skateboarding industry. Like, like uh, P-Stone, who was a photographer for Thrasher, right? Uh, filmer, yeah. Filmer, sorry, yeah. Jake Phelps, who was the editor of uh, yeah. Thrasher, basically, uh, also uh, passed away. Uh, Jeff Grosso, not too long ago. Um, uh, ben Ramers, as well, a few years ago. Yeah. And it's every time, uh, every time that happens, it's obviously a, a tragedy. But it's it's interesting to see how how uh, tight the skateboard community is and how it gathers together facing such a tragic event. And um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you about like that, just how how it illustrates how strong the skateboarding community is, basically. Yeah. No, there's a there's a big unity in skateboarding, you know. And uh, I, I think like even more than in any other kind of like subculture or, or that, you know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, a togetherness that in skateboarding, which I really love and uh, I love experiencing as well, you know, so 
And also, yeah, because a lot of these dads lately have, you know, also have a lot to do with like mental il- illness and all that yeah. stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a useful thing and it's a very good thing that like people are using their channels through skateboarding to create awareness about topics like this, you know, and using all this social media stuff for something more meaningful, like, you know, to encourage people to like not have to deal with their problems by themselves, you know, and realize that, hey, you're not alone. There's a lot of people around you that you can reach out to that will have an open ear for you, you know, and uh, yeah, because in other like other subcultures and sports, for instance, there's like a big sense of competition, you know, and I think that is also what separates the people a lot too. I'm sure it is in skateboarding, of course, in everything that has like progression involved and all that, there's gonna be competition. Then. But still, like the whole lifestyle is still so way laid back and has such a unity that I think it, it's like it, it holds really tight together. Yeah, it's obviously devastating when, when these uh, people die, but it's uh, also very touching to see how uh, people get together in the skateboard community. Uh. Yeah, because I mean, Just because someone is not physically among us anymore doesn't mean the person is not going to live on. And the more we cherish the memories of them and carry the stories of them around, like they will live forever, you know? And that's like our responsibilities to do, you know, to like keep our fellow friends among us, even if they're not here physically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned the Olympics a little bit. Um, Just, uh, I just wanted to ask you, how, how do you... As a skateboarder who has been skating for the last uh, more than 20 years, so how how do you see how do you see that? Uh, what is your like just your your general opinion about that? And and how do you see skateboarding evolving from from now on? Uh, now that the the, the Olympics are going to happen. Well, I I mean for skateboarding it's just a positive thing, especially for the industry. You know, like if the channels of the Olympics are used, you know, and If the Olympics are in the hands of the people that portray skateboarding properly, you know, then skateboarding is just gonna experience a growth. And in the end, like I said, there's gonna be different facets of skateboarding. Anybody who picks up a skateboard decides to do with it is up to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like they want to go the athleticism way, you know, like competition and all that. That's up to them. Like some people are cut for that, you know. And why, sh- why shouldn't they pick that for themselves? But then there's going to be the other part that just wants to like, yeah, slay a curb in a driveway or like jump down some stairs and hang out at the plaza with their friends instead, you know? So there's mm-hmm. also the, that, that way. And so it's like, it leaves it up to everyone themselves what they make of it, you know? And for me, it's just like a positive thing. It's like, just because the guys at the Olympic like doing it, I just hope it gets portrayed in the proper way, you know, where if I see it, I'm not going to be bummed out about it and be like, hey, man, this is not skateboarding for me, you know, but Mm -hmm. we'll see how it comes out. But other than that, like, I think it's going to help skateboarding grow. And for everybody involved in the industry, people working in the industry and all that, you know, it's only just going to be a positive thing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it actually unfolds and, uh, I'm going to talk with someone soon who who works for the like French uh, skateboard commission or something like that and uh French Skateboard Federation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and he I I want to ask him about like how how they're going to basically rate the skateboarding and I guess it's going to be a bit like street league or something. Yeah, yeah. With a like a points and and like a skating like different obstacles or doing more technical tricks and uh, I'm just curious about how they're going to do that. 
I mean, Street League and uh, Park Series, Vans Park Series, were kind of like the pilots for this stuff, you know? Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, where they like started practicing and like making it like a, a TV-friendly format, you know? How to present it on television and then a scoring and all that stuff where you keep it snappy, you know? It's like, that was that's all the preparation for it. I mean, if you pay close attention to it, you could see like the development of that. Yeah, you're right. And I guess uh, that side of skating will will exist, but like all the rest of skating will, will still be there. And... Of course, there's people like participating at Street League, you know, that are like, you see, have the full respect and recognition out in the streets as well, too, you know, mm. and uh, they love doing that. They're good at doing that. Like, why shouldn't they do that? You know, sure. No, absolutely. I just have uh, one last Well, maybe two quick last questions. Uh, I just want to ask you, how, how do you, uh, do you do any kind of routine to take care of your body to, to keep skating today? Like, uh, like you said, you're 36 years old, like 20, yeah. 20 years ago at your age, pros were, were long done with their career. Yeah. And there's a lot of amazing skaters that are still skating after their 40s, even in their 50s, like Tony Hawk and stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, do you do anything particular to keep in good shape? Do you like exercise or stretch or do yoga and stuff like that? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, I try to take care of my body as good as I can because like, I mean, this is something I love doing and I want to keep on doing it for as long as possible, you know. And if I would have known better, I would have even started earlier with all this stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But like a few years ago, I experienced a really bad injury. Like I, I broke my leg really bad. And that was like kind of a wake up call for me, you know, to like start working on stuff. And because, yeah, like, yeah, working out, keeping your body fit is like the first way to fucking prevent injuries, you know? Yeah. If you're stable and strong in certain areas and everything, like you're more likely to get away from an injury than if you don't do anything for it, you know? And uh, yeah, so I kind of learned out of that stuff and, you know, started working on this. And uh, a good friend of mine who used to be like a, a motocross pro he started like his own um like a uh, studio where he works with like athletes and snowboarding and skateboarding and specialized just on that and uh, i'm like kind of his test object so i'm really grateful that he does that stuff with me and uh, you know he does like a different things with me challenges me to use my body in ways that i never even thought of and i wasn't even thought i was capable of you know mm -hmm. and it's almost one and a half years i've been on that program with him now and uh, i can I, i i can see like the development, the progression, and like things I can do with my body that... You didn't think you could do? Mm -hmm. The first session he showed me some stuff and it was like, yeah, do this. And I was like, the fuck? Like, this is not even possible, <laughs> yeah. you know? Because like, yeah, just skateboarding is like, it's a monotone thing. Like you use your body just in one way. And then like a lot of other parts of your body are just left dormant, you know? And then through all this exercising and everything, you reactivate all that stuff again. Like your neural system reminds certain muscles what they are capable of and what to do, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, nowadays, like it's, it's like so developed stuff like that you know you don't have to be in a gym and fucking lifting weights and all that like it's like more detailed stuff like how you work like finer muscles and everything you know so mm -hmm. it's a really good thing and I, if i would have known this i would have started it at the age of 20 already you know so. yeah but, but also because skateboarding traditionally uh promoted more of a partying lifestyle than <clears throat> sorry than um uh, like staying fit and exercising and and uh... oh yeah it was like more seen as like a jock thing you know yeah exactly 
Oh, what what the fuck? Like, yeah, you're gonna stretch, man. Fuck that. Like, <laughs> drink a beer or something. You know, it's like, uh, mm -hmm. no, that's stupid. Yeah, th those days are over, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Every, everybody's developing. Everybody's growing out of phases, you know. And so, and uh, it's good, like that people have the to realize it now because like there's nothing wrong with taking care of your body you know no of course yeah and you might you only have one body for your life so you might as well take care of it exactly and it's not just for skateboarding just for your whole general well-being you know of course. nowadays like if i get up and i don't do anything i notice how something is missing in my day you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the thing about it is like our body our body produces all this like natural drugs yeah and endor endorphins or endorphins serotonin and right. adrenaline all this shit like our body produces all of this stuff you know and the, and the thing is like we can get all this natural high if we invest a little bit in this that that means you got to get your ass up and you got to sweat for it yeah but people are too lazy nowadays so they pay a lot of money to get those drugs replaced by some other synthetic bullshit that they can buy out there. Mm -hmm. They're getting the high, but at the same time, they're killing themselves. Like your liver, your kidney, everything is working so hard to break down all these fucking weird ass pills and everything. Just to give you the same thing your body will give you if you just get your fucking ass up and sweat <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It's a good good way of seeing it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Like it's all in there. Your body has it all. All those enzymes, all those those different drugs, they're in there. You just have to wake it up and get it out. Like let your body produce it on its own. Yeah, that's that's good good advice right there. I just want to ask you one last thing. Uh, do, what are your like plans in the near future? Are, are you um, uh, planning on doing any more trips or or uh, filming uh, uh, tricks for a video? Or um, what what are your plans in the near future, basically, for Vans, for your sponsors? Well, I mean, the next thing is to follow up on the Tom's Tales video that we we put out. So yeah, we're aiming like for twenty twenty two. Okay. To come out come out with the next full length. But um, other than that, like, you know, the main ingredient is just like doing trips, keeping the crew busy, you know. The busier they are, the, the less stupid ideas they get, you know, so that's good. And uh, <laughs> no, and there's like a few, a few projects that I'm working on pro personally. Like I've been filming, like since the whole lockdown started, I've been filming with my homie just in Nuremberg here with a VX camera. Because everything's really, everything's really crusty here and... Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the VX like really portrays the crustiness really well. So, so that's it, the kind of theme I'm working on, like just only spots in Nuremberg. And uh, it's also challenging, you know, to work with what is available here. And uh, a different approach to what you've been doing, traveling for all these years. And yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, in general, just just keep going, you know, doing what I'm doing. And uh, hopefully we get out of this pandemic pretty soon and uh, can move uh, move on with our lives normally again yeah no absolutely all right well uh, yeah i guess that that's a good uh, way to finish this well thanks again it was really fun thank you chris no problem it was a pleasure that's it for my conversation with chris fanner you can follow him on his instagram account at chris fanner p-f-a-n-n-e-r Go check out his latest part in Antiheroes Quintinium video on YouTube. And while you're at it, go watch the Vance Tom's Tales video from last summer, which is really epic as we discussed in the interview. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boards. Beyond Boards.